Are you ready for a fresh voice in Congress? Meet Manor Ahmed, your progressive candidate for the 6th Congressional District of Illinois. When it comes to women's rights and reproductive freedom, Manor is a fierce advocate. She will protect a woman's right to make her own health care decisions and ensure equal pay for equal work. But that's not all. Manor is dedicated to enacting common-sense gun reform, addressing the climate crisis with urgency, and championing the issues that matter most to our senior citizens. With Manor Ahmed in Congress, we can build a future where everyone has the opportunity to thrive. Vote Manor Ahmed in the upcoming Democratic Party primary election on March 19th, and let's create a brighter tomorrow together. Visit AhmedForHouse.com to learn more and join the campaign for a better sixth. Demand for an end to the war in Gaza. Ceasefire now. Paid for by Ahmed for House. Approved by Manor Ahmed. This is Manor Ahmed and I approve this message. Get ready to be jolted out of the ordinary and into a world where conversations are charged with intensity and facts. The Lightning Strike Talk Radio with your host, Mohammed Fahim, broadcasting live from the heart of the city on Chicago's Progressive Talk Radio, WCPT 820 AM. Welcome to a radio show that charges through the airwaves with an electricity like no other. Here's your host, Mohammed Fahim. Good morning, Chicago, and welcome to the Lightning Strike. I'm your host, Mohammed Fahim. With me in the studio again today is uh, Ken DeLuke. Howdy, folks. And Alderman John Arena. Good morning. And we got a power-packed show for you again today. It's going to be one full hour of power. And we also have with us in the studios today Manur Ahmad, who is running for the Illinois 6th Congressional District in the upcoming Democratic primary. So stay tuned. Manur would be with us at about 9.30. We have also Dr. Zahir Sahlul, who is the co-founder of Med Global calling in to report about his recent uh, medical mission to Gaza. And we have Abby Maxman, who would be joining us. She is the CEO and president of Oxfam. And also we have Bushra Khalidi, who will try to join us from Palestine. <coughs> if uh, we can get her online from there, we'll have Bushra also repeating her what is actually happening on the ground over there without the filters of the media that is being controlled by the Israeli government. Okay, so that's the uh, show for, the, uh, for today. And our person of the week is, again, a great find. His name is Luther Johnson. Luther is the founder of the History on Wheels Museum in Joliet. And uh, especially with... Uh, John, I don't understand this uh, African-American month concept. Okay, African-Americans have been part of the country since hundreds of years now. It should be an everyday thing. Yeah. Okay, we well, can't... They're, they're, uh, I mean, they're the foundation of our country. Yeah, we can't just take one from. month and say, okay, there's the African-American month and there's the Italian-American month. Uh, it's dividing up the communities, <laughs> right? So... Uh, well, we get a holiday, supposedly, with Columbus, but <laughs> I, I'm not really proud of that. But I think that, you know, that being able to take a month to focus on um, folks like our guest today and what's what's going on and, and remind people, because the suppression of their... Uh, contribution to our country has been, you know, mm -hmm. systemic and Absolutely. so much has not been taught, you know, in our schools about the contributions and the real history of African-Americans in our country. 
This is the this is the benefit of having a month. Uh, okay, this is what. But it's every day. Luther is bringing to the table. So uh, stay tuned, folks. Uh, we will dive right into the morning with uh, Abby Maxman, CEO and president of Oxfam, joining us, and Dr. Zahar Salul joining us. He is the co-founder of Med Global. Good morning, uh, Abby. Good morning, and I do have Bushra on the line too. Awesome, awesome! Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much, because uh, we're trying to figure out how to get Bushra on all the way from Palestine. And uh, Dr. Salul, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank, uh, thank you, you for having me. Hey, uh, Abby and uh, and uh, Bushra, thank you both. Uh, it's uh, a pleasure. To get to talk to you guys, uh, so we wanted to start off uh, with uh, Dr. Salul, and you recently came back from a medical mission to Gaza, and uh, you are the co-founder of Med Global. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, Med Global is, what you guys do, and how long have you been doing it? Uh, yes, um, so Med Global was established in 2017. At that time, there were three humanitarian crises that happening at the same time: the war in Yemen, mm-hmm. the what's impact on the population, the war in Syria, and the Rohingya refugee crisis. So we started by sending medical teams to improve access to healthcare and building clinics in partnership with the local communities. Uh, and uh, with time, we evolved to um, do many things in different regions. Over the past seven years. Years, uh, we worked in 25 countries to improve access to health care, especially in disaster-hit areas um, in Ukraine, in Colombia, in, in Mexico, south of the border, but also in the Middle East, in Palestine, in Gaza especially, and uh, Lebanon, Syria, Yemen, Sudan, and Bangladesh. And we uh, provide training, we provide emergency response, we have sustainable health care programs, and also we try to improve the health care system by focusing on on the donation of medical technology, equipment, and training. Um, and uh, in Gaza, we've been there since, since 2019. We are registered. We have uh, a local team that um, uh, implements most of our programs. Uh, of course, since the beginning of the war, uh, they've been really busy uh, doing all kinds of stuff initially in the north and now in the south. Okay. Thank you so much uh, for that brief background, Dr. Salul. We'll come back uh, to you in just a minute uh, with what you have been facing over there, the challenges, and you guys are phenomenal. Uh, Abby, a little bit about Oxfam. What are, what are you guys and who are you? I know that Oxfam is like in 80 countries. What do you guys do? That's right. Thank you. Yes, Oxfam is a global organization. We fight poverty uh, and inequality and injustice. And those three mm-hmm. things are go hand in hand. And when disaster strikes, we work with our, our global network of local organizations to address urgent humanitarian needs and protect lives and livelihoods. And in uh, the occupied Palestinian territory, uh, we have worked for decades, uh, since the uh, middle of the 1900s, and then we continue to work there uh, over the years. We've worked in Gaza for decades. Wow. And right now, uh, as I'm sure listeners are aware, mm-hmm. uh, we continue to provide life-saving support with more than a dozen partners uh, in Gaza and across the West Bank. And my colleague, Busra, uh, will be able to say more because she's calling in from Ramallah today. Wonderful. Busra, thank you so much uh, for reaching out across the oceans uh, to share what's happening over there in Ramallah. Uh, thank you again. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for having me. 
So uh, on the ground, boots on the ground, what are you seeing over there today? I mean, there is uh, reports that uh, the the United States has finally kind of coming around uh, to its senses and uh, I've been partnering with Jordan for some airdrops today and uh, have you seen any action over there on the ground? Have you seen this the things? I mean I've seen the videos of parachutes bringing down some 38,000 you know, packets of food and everything is that uh, something you're seeing on the ground? Yes, so indeed, uh, airdrops have occurred uh, a couple of times from Jordan, and now the U.S. is following suit. But um, our position with Oxfam is this is merely a gesture. Uh, this is not what uh, this humanitarian response in Gaza needs. Um, you know, a few hundred thousand food packages is, you know, a drop in the ocean mm-hmm. of need. Uh, in Gaza right now, where we have 15 confirmed children who have now died by starvation. Wow. And this is the fastest levels of starvation that have ever happened in any global conflict. You know, I mean, there are famines in other places, but this is a man-made uh, famine where we have um, rapid levels of descent into starvation and a looming famine over the north of Gaza. Uh, people are surviving on one meal a day across the Gaza Strip. Um, we are hearing reports of people going without food for two, three days in the north. And this is, you know, directly due to Israeli restrictions on aid uh, that have completely exacerbated the situation in Gaza on top of, you know, relentless bombardments for the last five months. So, you know, asking, we've been asking for a ceasefire mm-hmm. as Oxfam and 800 other organizations across the world and also millions of people, you know, uh, uh, in the streets for the last month who have been also calling um, from a ceasefire, uh, including our Israeli partners that we work with who have been calling for a ceasefire. And um, uh, now, uh, you know, giving us airdrops of food, but that's not the solution. The solution for us to be able to work, for the solution for my colleagues to be able to go and deliver life, you know, saving food and, and supplies in Gaza is to stop the bombs so that they can drive trucks to deliver food, to go to the warehouse and pick up the food, to, you know, uh, create distribution points in areas where um, uh, uh, essential supplies can be delivered. We have desalination units. We, wa- we work a lot in wash and agriculture in Gaza. And the um, desalination units that we want to uh, install, it's, it's, it's basically impossible because of the relentless bombardment and dangerous situations. So, you know, and airdrops are not the solution. Just like safe zones are not the solution and temporary pauses are not the solution. Right now, the solution is a political one. It's a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. It's stopping arming arms to Israel and, and U.S. arms to Israel. Um, and, 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 and then, you know, so that we can do our job, then scale up humanitarian aid, enter the truck, you know, start a real response in Gaza. Bushra, thank you so much. Uh, This is so heartbreaking, and you are actually there on the ground. And most of the news that I hear coming out of Israel, even with uh, the major news agencies, I'm told that it has to go through the Israeli filters over there before they can publish. You're talking about CNN, BBC, and and, and news agencies like that, John. Uh, 
Ken, you had a, we had a question. Yeah, the ceasefire, that's so important. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did a segment about the um, International Court of Justice, I guess South Africa, petitioned to uh, name Israel as uh, committing genocide. And I believe, what is it, John, 13 other countries uh, went on with that. I'm not sure if they came out of it with a determination yet, but let's say they do. Wouldn't that be the perfect excuse for Biden to say, hey, the whole world now is against Israel doing this, and because of that, we're completely cutting off military aid unless you put a ceasefire in right now? Hey, Ken. Yes. Not going to happen. Well, let's start Not it. going to happen. Uh, let me, let me tell you this. Biden is not running the country at this point. Blinken is running the country. Okay. And we got to hold these people accountable because they're using my tax dollars and your tax dollars to fund this genocide. Let's uh, come back uh, to Dr. Salul. Dr. Salul, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. So when you went on your medical mission, what was the greatest challenge that you had? How did you guys get into Gaza? Um, we are part of the WHO EMT initiative, um, Electronic Medical Team Initiative, which is basically to send um, medical teams to disaster areas and, mm-hmm. and the situation of Gaza, of course. This is the worst crisis in our lifetime. So it took some preparation and time to get uh, our first team and, um, and a lot of uh, bureauc- bureaucracy because the uh, papers need to be cleared by all parties. And then we went to Egypt, and from Egypt we uh, took the bus to uh, Rafah. It took us about 16 hours in a trip that usually takes six hours because there were multiple checkpoints okay. and uh, in, the, in the road we saw these tens of um, well, not tens thousands of trucks uh, that were on the Egyptian side um, and these are trucks that are full uh, full of food and medicine and uh, clean water and they were supposed to be inside the Gaza but unfortunately they were in, in the Egyptian side some of them waiting for weeks uh, when we crossed the border uh, of course um, um, things turn uh, completely south. You know, um, you see tents everywhere. I haven't seen that number of tents in my life. Uh, every empty spot is occupied by a tent. Mm-hmm. These are the people who were displaced from northern Gaza to Rafah. Rafah had a population of 300,000 before now, 1.5 million. Uh, we saw, uh, witnessed uh, of, uh, firsthand that complete collapse of the healthcare system where you have few remaining hospitals bearing the brunt of the injuries, severe injuries from the patients who were brought to the hospitals every day, every few hours. You have mass casualty events. Uh, the war is very close to us and to the population. You see the bombs, you see the missiles, you see the drones, you see the fighter jets and the military ships and then the missiles and, and the house is shaking every few hours with the with the explosion. And in the hospital, you see the impact of that on the mass casualty events where you see children and civilians brought with extreme injuries due to the shrapnels. And then the medical staff struggling to resuscitate them on the floor of the emergency room, doing what they can with the limited resources. Many of the patients dying uh, or expected to die just because there's no certain surgeons or uh, technology that we have here in Chicago. So it was a terrible situation. And then you have also, of course, the impact of the war on the healthcare system where 75% of the clinics and the hospitals have closed. Uh, so in the clinic that we established in MediGlobal, we were seeing 700 to 800 patients every day. Many of them had respiratory infection. Many of them had, especially children, diarrhea because of the lack of clean water. There was an outbreak of hepatitis. Um, and many patients are suffering and have complications and die because they have chronic diseases and they don't have access to 
to simple medications. Patients with diabetes don't have access to insulin. Patients with seizures don't have seizure medications. Uh, Patients with cancer don't have access to chemotherapy. So many people are dying and they're not counted among the 30,000 people who uh, were killed because of the direct uh, impact of the war. The children that they were killed every day and injured extreme injuries, even the ones who survived have multiple infections and they have complications. There's 8,000 children or not children, uh, patients who were awaiting to be evacuated to the neighboring countries, only 10% of them were evacuated. Uh, it's not only the complete collapse of the healthcare system, but the complete collapse of the international system that is supposed to aid uh, these people who are trapped in Gaza, 2.2 million people. Many of them are punished for no clear reason. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Folks, this is coming from people who have just come back from Gaza. This is not somebody who's reporting as a news reporter. These are actual human beings who are out there trying to help. Our money, our tax dollars are being spent in this kind of Horrible, horrible genocide. John, I don't care what the World Court or the International Court of Justice has to say that genocide is happening or not. Genocide is happening. Okay. Let's, let's be clear about it. And if you want to uh, join the conversation, the number to call in is 773-763-9278. Abby Bushra and uh, Dr. Salul, if you could please hold on for just a second. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this. Are you ready for a fresh voice in Congress? Meet Manor Ahmed, your progressive candidate for the 6th Congressional District of Illinois. Manor Ahmed stands for values that matter to you. She believes in health care for all, ensuring that every American has access to quality, affordable health care, regardless of their income or background. Manor is committed to revolutionizing our education system, fighting to make college tuition free for working families, and tackling the student debt crisis head on. Visit AhmedForHouse.com to learn more and join the campaign for a better sixth. Demand for an end to the war in Gaza. Ceasefire now. Paid for by Ahmed for House. Approved by Manor Ahmed. This is Manor Ahmed and I approve this message. Hey folks, did you know there's a program in Illinois that if you qualify for it, would allow you to get solar installed in your home at no out-of-pocket cost? The benefit to you would be a reduction of your electric bill, possibly as high as 30 to 50%, and more importantly, you would take out the uncertainty of almost guaranteed future price increases imposed from your electric company. If you'd like to see if you can qualify for this program, call Kendall Luke at 312-617-8979. That's 312-617-8979. Help us save the environment and change that electric bill burden. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Mohammed Fahim. Okay, folks, so welcome back to the Lightning Strike. I'm Mohammed Fahim with me in the studio today, Ken DeLuke and uh, Alderman John Arena. Also in the studio today with us, Manur Ahmed, who is running for Congress in the Illinois 7th, the 6th, 6th District of Illinois in the upcoming primary. And uh, Dr. Salul, uh, I know that uh, you know Manur also. And uh, Manur, you want to join in when you get elected uh, to, to Congress. How are you going to be addressing these issues that these, uh, you know, these people are bringing up? The, the, the humanitarian 
you know, cost of it is horrible. So, uh, what would uh, what would you bring to the table? How are you going to hold uh, our administration accountable? Uh, well, thank you, Dr. Sahul, for all the work that you have done. Um, it's the incredible stories that we hear from him uh, that really give us a good perspective on what is truly going on. Uh, we need to really stop the wasteful military-industrial complex. Uh, we need to focus on, um, you know, bringing back money into our districts. Uh, we spent $2.8 million alone from our district in funding this genocide. So we need to stop the unilateral military action uh, that undermines the core values of our democracy. Uh, we are Americans who believe in uh, the right for humanitarian aid, the right for, um, you know, children and women. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Abby, again, uh, hats off to you guys uh, for uh, for your service. Uh, Dr. Salul, when you went there, uh, especially uh, Bushra too, Bushra, you said that there is a lot of uh, angst on the ground, not just from the Palestinians, but from the Israelis also. Uh, how do you guys mesh with the local Israeli population? What are you seeing on a, on a human-to-human level between the Palestinians and the Israelis over there? Um, so I'll let also um, my colleague and uh, Abby speak on this as well. But uh, we, so we don't necessarily operate in Israel. We operate in the occupied Palestinian territory. Right. We don't have programs in mm-hmm. Israel, but we work with the human rights organizations that work in Israel and they are our partners and we do a lot of advocacy uh, together and of course we are aligned in terms of values um, that we share uh, uh, so you know I, I can't really talk about how communities are meshing uh, but I can I can certainly talk about the work that we do with Israeli partners on basically you know calling for an end to the occupation and an end to the blockade on Gaza and now for ceasefire and um, in Gaza so that we can, you know, start really uh, working and doing our job uh, in the way that we, we need to. And, and I think, Dr. Sahadouz, you described and painted such an excellent picture um, of Gaza and what the reports we're hearing from Gaza here based in Ramallah. Uh, I, you know, I could not have put it any better. But I'll let also Abby speak a little more about how, you know, we are seeing the situation in comparison to our mm-hmm. broader work um, at Oxfam. Thank you so yeah, much. Thanks, uh, Mr. Yes, Abby. Um, indeed, we we are our um, Israeli human rights partners, Palestinian partners. We're, there's so much alignment. Uh, we work with faith-based, non-faith-based organizations here in the U.S., as well as supporting our 29 staff who are work, living and surviving as internally displaced people in Gaza. Um, it's really nothing short of heroic, everything that uh, our team, our partners, and the humanitarian community is able to provide in the backdrop of of uh, so much trauma. Uh, and I think there's enormous alignment, as Bushra said, for a ceasefire, the safe return of all hostages, access for humanitarian aid, and anything less than that is really a band-aid over a massive gaping hole. And I just want to start, uh, go back, Mohammed, to where you start, started about the airdrops. And we just want to be clear, we are very supportive of any 
kind of food, of any kind of any scale that can get in. It gives a lifeline to people to hold on. But the reason we're concerned about the airdrops is, as Bushra said earlier, it's a real distraction, almost to relieve a guilty conscience of mm-hmm. officials where the policies are actually contributing to ongoing atrocities and, and the risk of famine in Gaza. Airdrops, I want to be clear, airdrops will meet less than 1% of daily needs in Gaza. They are a last resort, and we shouldn't be there. There should be other effective options that enable the humanitarian community, the humanitarian system who are all positioned, all experienced, all competent, able to scale up in a highly coordinated manner. And so this notion of, um, you know, where the media coverage talking about something that's going to provide less than 1% that is actually doesn't even enable coordinated access can be, or we're really concerned that that's a risk actually detracting from these fundamental things that need to be done, that instead of indiscriminate ad hoc airdrops in Gaza, the U.S. should cut the flow of weapons to Israel that are used uh, in indiscriminate attacks and push for a ceasefire, the release of hostages, and assist that Israel uphold its duty to provide humanitarian aid, access, and other basic services, and the U.S. government needs to do the same. Wonderful. Uh, let me uh, chime in here, here if, if I ahead, can. Um, so, uh, so a couple of things. First of all, we're really proud of voices like Mahnour's uh, and uh, her representation of, of uh, totally or completely fresh uh, view of the of the conflict in the Middle East and humanizing uh, the people in Palestine because this is what was lacking in the previous policies. Um, uh, and our national interest, and as American and as a physician who's been in other disaster areas in Ukraine, in uh, in, in Bangladesh, and in, in, in Yemen, in Syria, in, in Mexico and Colombia, are uh, undermined right now because of our policies in the Middle East. And the most important thing is to humanize the Palestinians the same way that we do to the Ukrainians, to the Israelis, and everyone else. Uh, if we care about the children in Palestine, and I have this habit when I go to crisis areas to ask children because they don't lie. Uh, what would you like to be in the future? And nine out of ten Palestinian children I asked, they said, I want to be a doctor. Uh, they like to um, serve their communities. They like to live. They, like to, they have dreams like our children, except for one child. Uh, he was in a shelter in a displacement center. He was 12 years old. He was displaced with his families. The shelter has 40 or 50 people in every classroom. 75 uh, of them will have one bathroom. And you can imagine the situation there. And I asked him, what would you like to be in the future? And he said, what future? I think our country can make uh, the future of the Palestinian children similar to the future of our children and also the children of in Israel and other places that is focused on rebuilding, on hope, uh, on, uh, on health care, on access to health care, access to education. And that's what will change, the, uh, will win the hearts and the minds of the Middle East. Yes, I agree with Abby that airdrop, um, airdrops is not the best solution, but every other solution has failed so far. And if anything, Administrator Power mentioned uh, just a few weeks, a few days ago, that the number of uh, trucks uh, that entered Gaza were less than before. Uh, only 85 trucks entered in the last uh, couple of weeks compared to uh, 150 at the peak of the entering the trucks through the Rafah border crossing. When every measure of getting aid 
food and medicine to a starving population and population that is dying because of lack of medicine fails, then that means our country has to take things into its hand. So airdrop is one uh, solution. It's not the perfect solution, but also the administration is also considering maritime corridor, and they're considering other options at this point because every other option has failed because of the reluctance of the Israelis to open the border crossing for the trucks. Well, hopefully uh, the voices of the people will be heard in Washington, uh, especially the tragic uh, thing that happened last, uh, you know, last week. Aaron Bushnell, this uh, airman who you know, self-immolated himself uh, for the cause of Palestine, and he said, I don't want to be a part of this genocide. Uh, that was horrible. Uh, this is things that are happening in the country, folks. 60 to 70 percent of the American population is not in favor of us continuing to support this genocide that's happening over there. And it's time that uh, our leaders uh, stand up uh, for, for humanity and uh, take a stand. That's all we are asking. Hold people accountable. And now the, with the elections coming up, We, the people, have the power to make a difference. I know that six Congress people just came back from, uh, from Israel, and uh, even they who have not supported any efforts at, uh, at a ceasefire or something, they have issued a statement holding Netanyahu responsible for what is happening. And anytime we speak up about Netanyahu or Israel, the first thing that people say is, oh, well, yeah, but what about Hamas? Hamas started that. No, Hamas started that on October 7th, folks. Israel started that 70 years back. So we need to, you know, call uh, call it what it is, a spade a spade. And let's not be afraid. This is America. We have the right to speak It is our right to hold our leaders accountable. Again, we are getting a little bit uh, long in the tooth over here with our segment. Uh, Abby and, uh, and Bushra and Dr. Salul, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we definitely would want to continue this conversation. We also have a, a one-hour podcast that we do, and we should uh, probably do the podcast and go into more details. Obviously, on the radio, we can't have... Uh, too many details that we can go into. We'd love to have you guys uh, come and be a part of our podcast too. And we do two kinds of podcasts. One is for the lightning strike. The other is our podcast, The Turning Point. So folks, you can go and visit theturningpointpodcast.com to check out some of the podcasts that we have done. And uh, again, we have a few people that are online. We'll definitely take your questions, but we have to come back with uh, Manur Ahmad for her promised interview on the WCPT today. We'll take a quick break, folks, and we'll be right back. Again, Abby and Dr. Salul and Bushra, thank you for joining us. Are you ready for a fresh voice in Congress? Meet Manor Ahmed, your progressive candidate for the 6th Congressional District of Illinois. When it comes to women's rights and reproductive freedom, Manor is a fierce advocate. She will protect a woman's right to make her own health care decisions and ensure equal pay for equal work. 
But that's not all. Monor is dedicated to enacting common sense gun reform, addressing the climate crisis with urgency, and championing the issues that matter most to our senior citizens. With Monor Ahmed in Congress, we can build a future where everyone has the opportunity to thrive. Vote Manor Ahmed in the upcoming Democratic Party primary election on March 19th, and let's create a brighter tomorrow together. Visit AhmedForHouse.com to learn more and join the campaign for a better sixth. Demand for an end to the war in Gaza. Ceasefire now. Paid for by Ahmed for House. Approved by Manor Ahmed. This is Manor Ahmed, and I approve this message. Did you know there's an Illinois mandate that states by 2025, ComEd has to have 25% of the energy they deliver come from a green source? Because of this, plus the fees and taxes you've already paid on this program, if you qualify, you can get solar on your home at no out-of-pocket cost. This can mean an average savings on your electric bill of maybe 30 to 50%. More importantly, it would eliminate the uncertainty of ComEd raising your rates by whoever knows how much each year. Some people have noticed a 41% increase on their bill this spring, and ComEd has been asking for another 80% increase over the next four years. If your average bill is 200 bucks a month now, maybe it could be reduced to 100 bucks a month. Now, five years, would you rather pay 115 or possibly four to 500? If you'd like to see if you can qualify for this program, call Kendall Luke at 312-617-8979. That's 312-617-8979. Help us save the environment and change that electric bill burden. That's 312-617-8979. Take advantage of this program while it's still available. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike with Mohammed Fahim. Good morning, folks. Welcome back to the Lightning Strike. We had some powerful, powerful testimony coming straight from the the front lines of what is happening in, in Gaza. So, uh, Phil from the North Side, thank you so much for calling in, Phil. I guess you want to make a comment on what we have been discussing. Go ahead. Well, I have a question. Uh, I, I'm not defending Netanyahu. I, I don't like the fact that our tax money is going to him. Um, yep. But does, I, I, you just said about Hamas that, that, you know, people complain you don't mention Hamas. I, doesn't every, every am I old-fashioned, but doesn't everything have to start with Hamas declaring a ceasefire and sticking to it? They've broken it twice now. Okay, I'll, I'll let uh, Alderman uh, John Arena ans- answer your question because uh, he has some some great insight into what you've been asking. Yeah, so okay. I, don't, I don't know how far back. I'm not sure how far back caller Phil is is going back in terms of breaking ceasefires, but the the most recent ceasefire was a, a short ceasefire. They're negotiating a six-week ceasefire right now, and it's being reported that Israeli has agreed to a deal, but Hamas is considering that now, so we should probably hear some more about another ceasefire. We could could split hairs all day about what's happened in the past and where we are. If we don't acknowledge the genocide that's going on now and move forward about how to come to a real place of peace in this area and respect the humanity of everybody on both sides, a ceasefire and who broke it is is irrelevant in the conversation, in my opinion. Okay, Phil, uh, thank you so much for your call. Phil, real quickly, though, 
It's proportionality, my man. On October 8th, you might have had an issue. When you're talking tens of thousands of people being either starved to death or bombed or killed, and they're civilians with no dog in this race, but the, for the fact of where they live, it's a completely different situation. Sure, Hamas shouldn't have done what they did, but this is way, way, way out of proportion. Okay, Phil, thank you so much. We are running a little bit short on time. Feel free to join us next week. We are always here every Sunday from 9 to 10 in the morning. And uh, welcome, uh, Manur Ahmed. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that we went a little bit over our time, but time flies on the radio. And thank you so much uh, for staying with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So, Manu, right off the bat, why are you running? What what prompted you to take that step and say, okay, I'm going to go challenge an incumbent congressman? Why? Healthcare is the reason. Um, I've worked in public health, and um, that's been my reason to uh, really change our legislation in place. Uh, there are people in our district who suffer from amputation because of the lack of primary care physicians. Wow. Um, due to their unmanaged diabetes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of individuals who don't see the doctor, and by the time things, you know, hit the roof, they're forced into the ER and uh, they're hit with a bill. They file for bankruptcy, and they have to decide between their physical and their fiscal health. And I'm just so sick and tired of, you know, that same rhetoric playing over and over again, especially in the public health industry. So that is why I'm here to push for a single payer option. Okay. So uh, let me let me tell you something that uh, that really hit close to home for me. My wife's younger sister, her husband is in the district, he is diabetic, he had a stroke, and ended up with so many health care issues with the system, folks. He had to be in bed, and he started developing bed sores. That uh, moved uh, into gangrene. They ended up literally taking off like half of his skin off of the lower body. Two days back, he had high fever. He was admitted again back to the hospital. And just because initially when he went into the system, they did not care to pay attention to him. And this hit home, and this is hitting home to a lot of people, folks. So Manur's focus is health care. Manur, the other thing that you have on your website that you're passionate about is obviously the environment, right? Right. So why the environment? What is Why, why is it so important for us to take care of the environment? Uh, we've had, you know, one of the hottest years with 70-degree weather in February, which is, you know, all great because we can all go out and take our kids out. Mm-hmm. But it also calls for an urgent investment in green energy production and the carbon dioxide reduction. And we that needed to happen 20 years ago. Uh, I see it as a challenge, but I also see it as an opportunity to get cleaner air, cheaper energy and uh, build a sustainable economy uh, Mm -hmm. for the future we have ahead. Uh, If we fail um, in this endeavor, uh, we will face, you know, not just 70-degree weather in February, but also extreme storms, crop failures, um, extinctions when it comes to animal and plants. Yeah, we have had 11 tornadoes in Illinois, folks, in February. We have not had that in the last 
30 years. Yeah. Wildfire yeah. in at Texas and now a, a massive blizzard in, in Northern California. Yeah. So. Uh, we do have a caller on the line, uh, and I think it is uh, Fog calling in uh, with a question for our guest. Fog, good morning. Thank you so much for, for listening in and calling in. You are on the lightning strike with our guest, Manur Ahmad. Yep. Uh, my question actually is for John. Hey, John. Uh, I I live in Lyle. Uh, I, I have a quick question in the sense that, like, as an elected official, when you file financial disclosure, don't you have to report uh, your stock transactions? I'm asking because uh, I believe my congressman, he repeatedly has done transactions without filing that. That's why I just want your opinion on it. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to you have to declare your assets um, annually um, tr- on transactions and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, capital gains and things like that. Uh, because of the tax laws and when those things are reported, sometimes those things can go unreported. And this might be something that I'd like to hear from Menor about, you know, how, how you you feel about campaign finance and and the amount of money that some congressmen are making on what I would call insider information. But. Hey, John, uh, here, here's my take on that, okay? If you look at all congressmen, not just, I'm not pointing out one, but seeing that Manur is challenging the incumbent in the 6th district, if you look at his financing, man, he has got about a million and a half dollars in his campaign fund now. Off of those million and a half dollars, half a million have been contributed by PACs, that represent financial services, and this congressman is sitting on a committee for financial services. Folks, what is this pay-to-play happening in our country, man? Why don't we sit up and take notice and hold these people accountable? Congressman, if you're listening or if your staff is listening, if you would like to come on the air and answer this, please be my guest. The number to call in, again, is 773-763-9278. We are here every Sunday. So I welcome you if you want to uh, answer these questions that we are raising do call in next Sunday, okay? We'd love to have you on the air with us. So, Manur, here's the thing again. When you look at the performance, John, of anybody in Congress, and I'm focusing on, on the 6th District because you are here as a candidate running for the 6th District. The congressman in three terms has proposed or sponsored 69 bills. Many of those bills are recycled every two years with a new HR number. Of those 69 bills now, only three of them have been signed into law. And like our good friend Raja Krishnamurti, who keeps on renaming post offices after veterans, this congressman renamed a post office. Okay? And the other two bills were actually passed as part of some other bills. John, what is happening, man? Well, I mean, I think I'd love to hear from Menor about this because, you know, this is the challenge. He's Kasten's yep. a perfectly good corporate Democrat, right? He follows the program. He pulls the money from the PACs. And, you know, campaigns like Menor's are the kinds that are, yeah. you know, people So funded. we don't take a single penny from any kind of corporate special interest groups. And uh, he basically relies on that. You know, he gets the funneling from all those groups, millions of dollars, and they promise him to keep his seat as long as he's pushing papers for them. Um, I commend uh, Rohu Khanna's uh, from California, his bill, to include measures from members of Congress from, you know, trading uh, stocks mm-hmm. and banning them from accepting lobbyists and PAC money and a lifetime ban for them to lobby money 
Um, so I think those are the issues that we need to deal with because, uh, you know, 70% of our district uh, back in November, it's probably more right now, was calling for a ceasefire. He's um, representing, um, you know, the over half a million that he's taken. That's who's representing. He's not really representing our constituency at this point. Well, folks, that is the tragedy, okay? You know who the congressman is. Call his office, hold him accountable, ask him why should he get reelected for the fourth term. This was never supposed to be a lifetime job for Congress people, guys. They have to come, do the service, and then have new people coming in with new ideas, you know, fresh perspectives on things. That's uh, what uh, I, I guess, uh, uh, Manur, you are bringing is, is a fresh outlook to the challenges that our country is facing, okay? And how can we have more accountability for our elected representatives? It is up to us, folks. We have got to step up. Manur Ahmed joining us at WCPT, Chicago's progressive talk radio station. Manur, thank you so much again for stepping up. There are 733,000 people in the district. And for a young lady to step up and say, enough is enough, the, the corporate Democrats, John, like, like you are saying, uh, they have become redundant. To, to, it has become ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you look, uh, the party wants to have those people in power because they want to make sure that the seat is safe. But what about the constituents? What about the country? We are okay. constantly losing out by having these people just come in and do the will of the lobbyists that have got them in power rather than the people. Yeah, there's a huge disconnect between polling and what constituents, you know, are concerned about in in individual districts, whether it's women's health care rights, whether it's foreign policy, like we've discussed today, uh, versus what is happening in in Congress and what's, what's going on. So I think... You know, uh, Menor being uh, on the ballot is an incredibly important thing because, you know, otherwise these seats just turn over, don't turn over at all, and we don't see any change. Yeah. So, Menor, any any final thoughts uh, for our listeners? Yeah, I think uh, right now our democracy is on the ballot. Um, you know, we have we have the political will and the political courage to make things happen, and we can really overturn it as long as we show up at the polling stations. DuPage um, early voting has started. Cook County starts uh, March 4th. There are some locations in Cook County that are open, too. Um, go and make your mark. Um, tell them what you want. Tell them you come in numbers um, like Michigan did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when they'll start listening. Um, right now, they're not listening. Um, you want their attention, go to the polling station. Or how can we find out more about your campaign and your positions? Yeah, so if you go on Ahmed for House, A-H-M-A-D-F-O-R-H-O-U-S-E dot com. Great. And if they want to donate, how would they do that to your campaign? On the website. Just click donate. Yep. Thank you. Okay, folks. Uh, so go out, support these progressive candidates. We have had enough of the legacy Congress uh, Congress people out there hanging on to their seats and doing, like I said, the will of the donors rather than the will of the people. And if you look at the FEC filings, just go and take a look at it. These are numbers that are there. It's numbers are public record. <coughs> and uh, like I just said a few minutes back, over half a million dollars are coming from different PACs for Congressman Sean Caston. That's a lot of money. 
and the other million dollars also that is there. Why do we need? Why don't? Why can't we have public uh, funding for elections, Manur? What do you think about that? I mean, I'll go back to the point like Ro Khanna is trying to make it. That's what mm-hmm. we need. We need to clean up the mess in the house, and uh, we're going to do that by. Uh, one by one by getting, you know, uh, replacing these corporate Democrats and having people who, uh, like my campaign is 100% people funded and making that promise just holds you accountable for the people. Um, I have a long-term relationship with my constituency. I was raised in, you know, the sixth and, um, I have roots there. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I care about ultimately. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I would like you to stay on till the end of the show. We do have uh, Sheila White, our segment producer for our Person of the Week, calling in with uh, Mr. Johnson, who is our Person of the Week. Let's uh, take a quick listen to what they have to say and how can we bring that energy to the rest of the country, including the 6th District. Sheila, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Our special person of the week is Mr. Luther Johnson. He's with an organization called History on Wheels, and it's an organization that works with schools and community organizations, talking to them about history and what's happened in America's past. Welcome to the show, Luther. Hi. Hi. Good morning, Luther. Thank you. Good morning. I I went and checked out uh, the website and what you're doing, History on Wheels. What a wonderful concept. Before we uh, got on the show this morning, John and Ken and I were talking about uh, the important contributions of African-Americans to our country and the foundations of the country. You want to expand a little bit on that? Yes, yes. We... So History on Wheels is, was formed for that very reason. We're a 501c3 organization, and our primary focus is to share and educate everyone about the contributions that African Americans have made while serving. Um, it, we've done some great things. We have numerous Medal, Medal of Honor winners that have served, that have done some wonderful things in, throughout the military, male and female. Mm-hmm. And we realized that a lot of that, uh, was not being taught in our education system. So I took it upon myself to make that part, since it's part of my passion and things that I do, to form this company, this, this organization called History on Wheels. And we travel around and we do, we, we set up a mobile museum and we share all the contributions that we play. Wonderful. Luther, thank you so much. We will continue the conversation. We are running a little bit short on time, but uh, we have got uh, Manur Ahmad, who is a candidate running in the Democratic primary for the 6th District, and we have been having a conversation on campaign finance, environmental justice, and everything. So I wanted to uh, come back uh, to Manur for a second. Manur, environmental justice. Okay. What do you think is happening? So, well, we have someone in place who talks about the environmental, but he's always talking about monetizing it. Uh, we're talking about greenwashing. We're not talking about climate justice. Uh, you know, right now we have um, Samsung, um, Apple in Congo exploitating um, their land, their environment, their communities for making uh, batteries, which are mm-hmm. environmental friendly. But again, how are they doing that? They're doing that by exploitation of these um, of their land. 
And we're basically trying to reach uh, different goals with the same system, and that does not work. Um, the current uh, representative that we have has a large portfolio. His family is, you know, on the board of um, a lot of these um, green energy companies, and he's on the committee for those green energy companies. <laughs> uh, so that's what we need. In order to move forward with environmental, which we are so far behind, uh, we can't have these fallouts that we have right now in our district. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Again, folks, this is public information. It's not innuendos that, that we are sharing over here uh, because at, at WCPT, we have always prided ourselves on the fact that facts matter. These are facts. Ken, you had a, a, a quick comment. Yeah, just quickly, back to what Luther. specific initiative uh, or programs uh, do you propose to address uh, regarding climate change uh, once you're elected? Um, so, for one, I think that we need to, you know, pass the Earth Bill. There has been around uh, four um, Illinois representatives that have. They've asked the current incumbent, and he has refused. Um, and that bill, you know, is something that talks about um, reaching those goals by 2030 and addressing the um, established requirements in order to process that. Uh, like I said, you know, we need the renewable energy. We need zero emission vehicles and um, regenerative um, agriculture. And those goals we can hit by 2030, but we don't even have the people in place to pass that legislation. Well, the people in place are there, but they just don't want to pass any kind of legislation that would hurt their interests. Folks, again, this is uh, WCPT 820 AM. You're listening to The Lightning Strike. I'm your host, Muhammad Fahim. With me in the studio, John Arena, Ken DeLuke, and our guest of the week, Manur Ahmed, who's running uh, for Congress in the upcoming primary in the 6th District. Our person of the week is Luther Johnson. So, Luther, coming back to you, what is happening with the History on Wheels. What is the next program that you are going on? And we got one minute that we can talk to you about it. Perfect. Well, what's happening next is really quick. We have a fundraiser gala that's coming up March 23rd here in Joliet. You can go to our website at historyonwheels.org. Uh, and get all the information, go down the events tab, and you can find out a lot about History on Wheels. We also... Um, have uh, a building, brick-and-mortar building, that we're remodeling in Joliet, which would be called the African Descendants Historical Museum. And if anyone would like to donate and help us out or send us assistance, we, we're more than welcome to take the help to get that museum up and running. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, and again, I apologize. We ran a little bit over time on our other segment today because it was so important with people actually calling in from the war zone in Gaza, which uh, I think we are probably the only radio show that had somebody live calling in from over there. And uh, we would uh, definitely bring you back in, Luther, to talk more about your programs. Folks, uh, we are running out of time. We are almost at the end of the hour for us. And uh, Manur Ahmed, any final thoughts before we let you go? And you're going to be going out there in the beautiful day, knocking on doors and, and talking to people. Anything that you want to leave us with? Yeah, I just want the voters to know that I am the candidate who wants health care for each and every individual for you. I'm ready to sign on bills that can move us forward when it comes to climate 
justice. I'm someone who's standing for human rights when it comes to our district and um, internationally, so when it comes to Gaza. So, and I'm also someone who doesn't take a single dime from PAC or any other groups. I, my interest and my ally and my strength is you. So please go out there and vote. Early voting has already started. Thank you so much. And thank you, folks, for listening in. Feel free to call in next time, Sunday morning, 9 to 10. Go to our website to catch this show, and we'll be posting it on our YouTube channel also. The website is tlschicago.com for The Lightning Strike. Have a good